Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. You're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player. Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Hi there, you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name's Matt Wakeling, and this is the show that I produce in Sydney, Australia, since 2016, talking to interesting guitarists and guitar figures. And for the last 12 months, as well as the, the usual interview format of the show, I've been hanging out with my friends Rob Rhodes Hello. and Gabor Jessica. Hello. For the iconic <laughs> series. We've been talking about iconic albums and all sorts of other cool, iconic guitar situations, and we're going to continue with one of those shows today. And today we're talking about iconic Fender oddballs. Oh yeah! So we're talking about weird Fender stuff. Fender's been around for seventy-five years or seventy-six years, really, uh, as we speak. And um, yeah, this is—I guess this is kind of the logical follow-on from our Gibson oddball episode a few shows back which was so much fun yeah looking at just some wacky stuff <laughs> gibson has churned out over the years so it only seemed fair to uh extend the the courtesy to fender musical instrument corporation as it was with the gibson show um it's just impossible for any company to produce instruments for any length of time without producing stuff which will look incredibly dated or just weird or just d- did not fly off the shelf or has some weird history and um there's a few of those today <laughs> oh man we just love this stuff it's it's yeah. for me half the fun is just the stories and how the guitar someone actually built one and said yeah let's sell this thing on top of you know it's it's utility as an instrument it's so it's so fun so We've chosen three guitars each, which we uh, which we all enjoy, and we're going to have a chat a- about those. We've also got some really cool suggestions from uh, our listeners via the Instagram questionnaire, and uh, there's a couple of listener feedback spots too Ooh. from some of our earlier iconic episodes. I might raise those uh, around halfway through, but let's jump straight in. Um, Rob, do you want to give us your first Fender Oddball? All right. Um, I chose the Fender Esprit, or which later became the Robin Ford model. Yeah. Um, very weird for Fender with a kind of like double cutaway offset thing with a, another strange headstock for Fender, like the um, kind of like that New York City Vibe headstock D. What's that? The guitar brand D. Uh, D. Angelico. D. Angelico. Angelico, yeah. That's it. Kind of got that vibe. Yeah. Okay. Well, yep. three aside, um, just for that. I mean, that's weird for Fender. Yeah, and it's kind of like the Heritage Two headstock. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe this was before that. 
But anyway, in the early 80s, Fender became interested in building instruments um, that were viewed as high-quality alternatives to Gibsons, but they didn't want to copy them. Um, they wanted to have versatile electronics and features and asked Dan Smith uh, to come up with some concepts. So Dan Smith was quite influential at Fender in the 80s mm. and um, I think there's probably a couple of his guitars we're going to talk about. Um, but, yeah, so the Esprit started um, – there were flame tops, there were matte, like flat colours. Um, there were older bodies routed with tone chambers, so they were weight relieved, um, along with maple tops and set necks. Um, it was produced from 87 to 93. Um, before, I think, hold on, what one was that? Yeah, 87 to 93, um, and then became the... Changed from the Esprit Ultra became the Robin Ford model, and he can be seen holding one under the "Talk to Your Daughter" album cover. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's that's the first time I saw and heard one. Absolutely, yeah. Though the ads were in all the guitar magazines in those early nineties, yeah. I can remember. Um, yeah, inset mahogany neck with a shaped heel, bound ebony fretboard, mother of pearl split block markers. And the bound headstock features a mother of pearl inlay with a Robin Ford truss cover, truss rod cover, scale length 24.75. Okay. 22 medium frets. Um, yeah, the double cutaway chambered design was with an arch spruce top, which we were just talking about um, prior to this episode with yeah. the Dusenberg, um, has the uh, spruce yeah. tops. Um Hardware was gold-plated, twin Japanese-made humbuckers. The bridge had a massive 19K output wow. and wow. the neck had an 8K um, Shawler-style roller bridge, fine-tunable tailpiece. Yes. So, yeah, it was a, it was a weird design. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like a double-cut Les Paulish, well, PRS-esque. Yeah, cross. <laughs> Yeah, was this prior to it PRS? It would have been, I'd say so. Yeah. Oh, the PRS were mid-80s. Oh, maybe, yeah. Okay, similar time, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, very interesting time for Fender. Like, it's kind of like a shrunk-down ES-335 without the F-holes. So what are those? Like, the studios that they did for a while. But, yeah, it's... um. It's a beautiful looking yeah. guitar. Yeah, it definitely. reminds me uh, of um, court guitars. That's sort of the first thing that kind of yeah. similar sort of shape. And actually, Eastwood. I don't know if you know, but Eastwood Guitars makes an Esprit, uh, Esprit, which is that one. They make oh, one right. that's okay. that. Yeah, so they same headstock, everything. So you can buy an Eastwood. Wow. Esprit. I think they even call it the Esprit Ultra, but yeah. Maybe they just bought the the name off or licensed the name off. Or, or, or yeah, or patent ran out or something like that and what was never renewed and, and they jump on all that sort of stuff, uh, companies like Eastwood. and They did that yeah. a lot, yeah, yeah. But I think it had a coil tap as well because there's a little uh, micro switch on there. So quite versatile looking guitars. I never came across one in all my life. I've never no, come me. across And one. it looks like it has that fine-tuning bridge as well the, on the photos. That, yeah. Um, it's a weird one for Fender. I mean, for Fender, it's definitely a weird one. But I mean, yeah. they tried a lot of things yeah, in those totally. days. They had that, uh, what was it, the Elite Elite series as well that they had, where they tried to modernize 
a lot of their existing guitars. So they had elite tellies and stuff with kind of with humbuckers on it, with their, I guess they were the pre licensor pickups that were humbuckers. Yeah, they had that, that sort of vibe, same sort yeah, of yeah. yeah. And, and I think they just tried to do whatever they could do to, um, you know, appeal to maybe the the you know humbucker hair metal kind of vibe. Even though Robin Ford's not that at all, but <laughs> no, it was kind of like I thought in that era, like George Benson had his smaller body Ibanezes, which we've talked yeah. about, and you had Pat Metheny, you know, all those types of jazz bodies. It felt like Fender were maybe missing out because everyone was choosing Gibson and the Ibanezes, and they just went, oh well, we'll we can see Robin Ford's playing these esprits or maybe they offered a couple to him and yeah they just wanted to get in on that market of a chambered almost jazz box small jazz box style guitar yeah interesting it's interesting around this time too gibson are making strats as well in the late 80s oh yeah (laughs) because super strats are going bonkers everyone's making a super strat so even gibson was was jumping on that wagon so it's kind of like the the reciprocal Deal. I think, I mean, Robin Ford was such a great artist for this because that Talk to Your Daughter record, for me, I I don't know, just my experience, that's the first time I'd heard sort of high gain, in inverted commas, high gain blues. Um, Gary Moore, of course, was just about to uh, go nuts (laughs) with his blues records. But I I think Talk to Your Daughter was out before that. Um, And, you know, he's playing through the Dumble. It's, It's screaming on... Talk to your daughter, man, and, and a lot of the tracks he's using is using a very similar tone, um, and yeah, you're not pulling you're pulling that from a strat with a tube screamer through a, a you know a bass master or something. You know, everyone at that time, all the blues guys were everyone's jumping on the Stevie Ray Vaughan tone, and for good reason. Um, yeah. But this was totally totally opposite of that, and. Uh, was actually yeah weird for Fender, but a good fit into what what Robin Ford was doing. Actually, interesting. Just because you were saying the jazz box is one of the guitars that's sort of an oddball that we're actually not talking about in this episode is the Diaquisto Fender, which is a jazz box. Yeah, right. Which is that which came out in the same same era. Oh, yeah. There's that headstock. Did did Fender buy Diaquisto? Uh, no. I don't know. Uh, this is because um, I mentioned D'Angelico, which is a different company. But isn't there a company different company called D'Aquisto? Yeah, there's Master Luthier James D'Aquisto. Oh. Yeah, he was. Um, he was must have been doing his own stuff around that time. And but this was made in Japan, so this is Fender Japan. Okay, so made they these. took on his yeah. design. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Probably coming out of the same factory. Yeah, yeah. Tarada, or I think I might have made a note of what. Where they were coming out of at Japan somewhere, but yeah. then they moved to the U.S. custom shop. Okay, yeah, um, and they were made there for a while. The Robin Fords, nice. They ended up having a Squire spree a few years later as well. Yeah, yeah, that came after like a cheaper. They were kind of everywhere, but I never like in the guitar magazines. They were everywhere. Is yeah, what I meant, but I never actually saw one. And that's interesting because you, yeah, you're in at Brashes and. I mean, Gabor's been around retail a lot as well, I think, between you yeah, guys. Yeah. Interesting that you've not seen one in the flesh. Hmm. No, no, never seen one of those. Um, seen, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of other kind of weird, like the Elite series, which were kind of short-lived where they were trying to do the, you know, 
make it a bit more eighties ish. Yeah. But yeah. not no, not never seen one of those, no. Yeah. All right, cool guitar. A, a Fender's mm. Fender's Gibson, maybe? Yeah. There you yeah. go. <laughs> I wonder if they got a cease and desist. Well, they would nowadays. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Interesting. Hey, um, Robin Ford, quick story. I went to see him um, early 90s, um, around that period, and he had he had his Elite and he had a Tele and he had a Tube Screamer and a couple other things. He didn't have his Dumble. I know he recently brought his Dumble to Australia this year. Okay. Um, yeah. In the 90s, he definitely wasn't lugging that around. He just had a couple of rented twins. And guess what? It sounded like Robin Ford on Talk to Your Daughter. It was oh, yeah, Unbelievable. <laughs> and this is way, way before his, what's that, Zen pedal? Um, the Zen Drive. Yeah. yeah. He uses a Zen Drive sometimes. Um, yeah. This is way before that. Yeah. Well, that's meant to be, that's a Dumble, dumble mm. Drive in a, in a pedal. Yeah. yeah, there was no such thing as a Dumble in a pedal back then. And uh, yeah. Still sounded like him. It was amazing. Anyway, all right, awesome. Cool kickoff, Rob. I love it. Uh, what, what's your first one, Gabor? Okay, I'm going to start off with a Fender that's not actually a Fender. Uh, I'm going to start off with a Squire, and it's not actually a Squire either. Oh, but man. We'll get to all that. So mine's the Squire Venus. Yeah. Uh, so the Squire Venus uh, was released in 1997 uh-huh. and was, and I'm doing, for all you people that don't have the special glasses and can see it, I'm doing air quotation marks, yes. co-designed yes. by Courtney Love <laughs> and Fender. Fender Japan. So this is uh, was originally made by Fender Japan, but then I think for whatever reason, possibly legal reason, couldn't have uh, the Fender brand on it, and it was released as a Squire. Wow! But it was actually quite a pricey Squire for its days. It was one of the most expensive Squires um, they ever released. Um, so uh, it was at the time also I just. It's just a quote I found and wanted to mention. So uh, only Courtney Love and Bonnie Wright had uh, were the only two females that had any kind of signature guitar in those days. So okay. she was the second female signature guitar recipient. Wow! Um, in those days, but so there's a slightly controversial story with the whole thing, uh, which I shall tell Do you tell. now. <laughs> so there is an Atlanta, or was they're not around anymore, an Atlanta in America, Atlanta-based guitar builder company called Mercury Guitar Company, yeah, uh, which consists of two guys, Tim George and Danny Babbitt. Um, they were uh, they loved old Fenders, they loved old Rickenbackers, and they started making guitars that sort of fused Rickenbackers and kind of Fender, different Fender models and different Rickenbacker models together. And they built a couple of sort of the quite high-end sort of custom handmade guitars and in november 1993 they took one of their guitars which was a metallic green one uh to a nirvana concert in atlanta uh and they somehow managed to get backstage uh-huh. and they started talking to kirk cobain and pat smear of nirvana about the guitars and they showed them the guitar that they had and both kirk cobain and pat smear really liked their guitars and um ordered one of the guitars to be made. And there's photos of guitars which have Cobain written on it that oh, are wow. in the process of being made and stuff like that. So there were uh, no one quite knows what happened to those guitars, but um, and it could have been also due to legal issues that we're going to talk on la- about later on, that they were never actually made for Kurt Cobain and Pat Smear. But anyway, uh, so they were talking with Kurt Cobain, with Pat Smear, 
And there was a certain lady who was at the time married to Kurt Cobain called Courtney Love uh-huh. present backstage. And she picked up that guitar and she absolutely fell in love with that guitar. And she talked him into selling it to her on the spot. So she bought it on the spot there. And that's a guitar that if you look at early photos of Courtney Love and Hole, yep. she plays a metallic green guitar that looks very much like the Squire Venus. Okay. But it has a three-a-side headstock. Right. And she plays it in a couple of film clips and live stuff from the earlier days of Hole. Okay. Um, she plays in tons of that stuff. Uh, and that was that guitar, right, which had a humbucker and a single coil. Uh, then Fen- then she actually went to Fender to get um, – at the time when Kurt was talking to Fender about the Jagstang, yep. she asked Fender Custom Shop to make her some guitars like that. So there's actually a couple of um, – maybe two or three um, Fender Custom Shop, Fender-branded Fender Custom Shop guitars that were made specifically for Courtney Love – which only had the neck pickup, so single core neck pickup, and no volume and tone control. So it was just neck pickup, and you just plug straight into it. Um, and which were Fender branded. Which uh, there's a surf green one, and I okay. think there's a black one and a pink one that have hearts on them that she played and is seen with a lot later on. And those guitars were taken, and the Squire, well, Fender Japan Squire, talked to her about making a signature model of that. Um, and I believe because, from what I could read, Mercury Guitar Company had folded by then already, because this is a few years later. This is in, like, 96, 95, 96. They just kind of took that design and went, okay, we'll just use it. Uh, one of the guys, Tim George, tried to do legal things later on, but um, it didn't work. And partially because of that because it wasn't necessarily their design fender was maybe a little bit worried about putting the name fender on it okay. so they went with squire but at the time it was the most expensive squire you could buy i think it was 699 us dollars yeah I which was they're about 900 almost bucks fender, yeah it was almost like a standard strat kind of price yeah. in its day um yeah, so she um, she she bought those guitars. She she made those guitars. Uh, she kind of promoted them, um, and they also made a Venus twelve, a twelve string version oh, of yeah, it. Oh yeah, um, Which uh, a lot of people. Um, so it didn't sell very well. It didn't go for very long. People didn't sort of catch on to it until much later. The whole. Um, um, that whole um, uh, series, uh, Squire series, there's a, uh, what is it called? The Jag Master or something like that that they made as well. There's a bunch of guitars that came out at that same time, which are now very highly regarded guitars and go for crazy prices on, uh-huh. the, on the second-hand market. Um, but the sort of Venus um, 12 uh, got a lot of momentum on the second-hand market, but it got uh, on the second-hand market for parts because a lot of the parts that were used were the same parts that are used on the Fender 12, Okay. Which was long discontinued by them and was there was not used on any other guitars. So people bought the Squire Venus to take the parts to put on their Fender okay. 12. Wow. <laughs> so there's a lot of Fender uh, uh, Squire Venus 12s that were disassembled. But yeah, uh, weird guitar, interesting look. I quite like the look. I thought I always liked the shape of it. I liked the look of it. And it's sort of surf green and pink, very sort of, uh, you know, at the time, girly colors. But have you guys had any experience with any of them? I've never never seen one in the flesh, but I always thought it looked super cool. I, I like yeah. the look of them. 
No, I always liked the look of them too and the 12s. But there was um, a couple of models in that era. It was kind of like a off shape, I won't say offset, but off shape <laughs> with a reverse headstock and they did all the sparkle colours, yeah. the similar era squires. And, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a guitar player around Sydney who played one quite regularly and, um, yeah, I used to see that. But, yeah, again, I never saw any of those no. in the flesh. Maybe at the AIM show in the early 90s oh, yeah. or mid-90s yeah. I might have seen one, but... Yeah, never played one, never come across one. Do see them on reverb every now and again. But big money. But, um, yeah. 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 Cool-looking guitars. Yeah. I've got a friend in the UK, Mike Rigby, um, has got a Venus body and he had to get the neck custom. He, I, I, I don't okay. know the whole story, but he had to get the neck, the neck custom made because it's got that weird angled yeah. access. You can't just whack on a Warmoth neck any kind or of neck. any yeah, yeah, yeah. sort yeah. of thing. So, um, it. Yeah. It's funny, though, because I never quite realized the Rickenbacker connection. But once you say it's Rickenbacker and a Strat sort of combined, you go, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's got that Rickenbacker yeah. shape. Yeah. Kind of remind me of the Chandler guitars, too, of those oh, yeah. early 90s. Yeah, yeah. had yeah. a very similar vibe, which yeah. when you said Mercury, I could remember, like, I thought, am I remembering Mercury or am I confusing that with Chandler and the Washburn Mercury? So, yeah. yeah. Well, interesting. Nice. All right. Yeah. Cool guitar. Good oddball. It is, yeah. Two out of what two. Have you got, Killing Matt? it. Okay, here's, here's my first one. Uh, I'm drawing on a couple of books, again, for the Ooh. people at home with the special glasses. Uh, this is the <laughs> Ultimate Guitar Book by Tony Bacon. It was written in the early 90s. Uh, it was a gift for my wife, I think. Uh, maybe even pre wife then. Um, Ooh. I'm going with the Fender Performer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, this is not the recent Fender Performer series. Here's the interesting thing, too. You guys probably noticed this, too. A lot of the names get reused or recycled or yeah. whatever. Um, like Mercury, you're just saying, Rob, for a few guitars. Um, yeah. So this is a, oh, I guess it's Fender's foray into the shred of the mid-'80s. It was, this oh, yeah. guitar was only sold between 85 and 86. It was built by... Uh, uh, Fender Japan, and the best they did all the cool stuff. Fender Japan, oh, totally. They, well, I think what three out of three so far. Um, yeah, for us tonight. Um, the, the best way for me to describe it, it is as if a Fender Stratocaster and a BC Rich Warlock loved <laughs> each other very much, and <laughs> had a few too many drinks. Had a baby guitar <laughs> called the Fender Performer. It's it's like a Strat, but it's kind of pointy. It's got some weird angles. Um, it's got uh, twenty four frets. It's got the the knobs have got the rubberized inserts, sort of like some of the fancy Fenders of the early eighties. Um, yeah, I want to say the Fender Elite Strat. Yeah, they I had that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, it's got these weird. Well, not weird by today's standards, but these weird kind of trapezoidal humbuckers um you're not gonna you're not gonna whack a super distortion in there without some chiseling um, nope. and uh and fender's kind of ill-fated locking tram system of the day i've seen that locking tram on several strats and people always block them and remove the locking nut thing which is behind the actual nut which which is not fun Such for anyone a terrible idea 
It really is. The heads- well, I mean, in, in reality, if you look at that guitar, there were lots of terrible ideas there, not just that. <laughs> there were a few. I think, um, I think John Page might have been involved with these. Um, I could be, I could be wrong. Um, but were they Kayla made Fender tremolos? It looks that, like it looks a bit like yeah. a Kayla, yeah. It looks very Kayla, yeah. Yeah, um, and the headstock looks like a swinger, which Gabor's going to talk more about later. Yeah, yeah. So, and actually, interestingly, there's a there's a relatively new kind of guitar brand that that a lot of people love and talk about a lot is McMull guitars. Okay, who have that same headstock? I wonder. I guess Fender maybe wasn't super proud of this style headstock. It's kind of weird. Uh, but it, it looks kind of like that. Uh, interesting if there was would have been any season desist kind of stuff. But anyway, yeah, who knows? It's yeah, it's kind of it's kooky. I mean, it's, it's yeah. fun though. It's a fun, um, it's a fun sign of the times because again, mid eighties, pointy super strats are going bonkers. Of course, kicked off by Eddie Van Halen. Um, of course. And by the mid-'80s, it was just in peak super strat time. So, <coughs> 24 frets too. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. And big cutaway, yeah. you're going you're gonna to get up there okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's. A, it kind of reminds me of the – is it Ormsby? Ormsby oh, yeah. Yeah, little, yeah, yeah. it's kind of got that vibe going on. The, yeah. I reckon, yeah. There's actually there's – there's a brand called Vola Guitars, V-O-L-A, uh, who make sort of kind of – Strat-ish guitars, but more chugga chugga, and they do look a little bit like that. It reminds me a little bit of that. Chugga chugga, yeah. Shekta, yeah, yeah. It's fun. And it's just the flying V headstock with six on one side. It kind of is actually. Yeah. Now that you mentioned it. <laughs> or no, for anyone who I can't see a photo, it's like someone got a saw and just sawed off. The bottom side of the Fender headstock, like yeah. where the it's kind of straight. what they've done, just like <laughs> where all the really Don't nice curvy parts are. Yeah, let's get yeah. rid of them. Well, it's you know when you get those those cheap um, parts guitars to, that have the headstock that's just a big chunk. Yeah, yeah. and someone started doing the Fender headstock <laughs> and then went, oh, I can't be bothered doing the curves. Let's go straight. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I think that's what Behringer was thinking when yeah. they did yeah. their Strat copies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> saves a lot of mucking around. There's a lot of mucking around. There it is, Fender Performer, kind of a fun guitar. I think I think they go for big money these days. I mean, like I think a lot of the guitars sure we do. talk about, they're they're discontinued or whatever, and um, there's a market for them somewhere. So hey, and they got the slope of the bridge pickup right too. True, true. Yeah, very Hendrix. Yeah, backwards a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. Man, man. The there's details. actually one in like a. There's a picture I've got here again for the people with the special glasses. Yeah, that's the one I'm looking at. In a sort of metallic green. That looks yeah, actually looks good. Good colours. Looks yeah, awesome. Good colour. R- Ricky Wood, uh, he mentions later on yeah, from the from the Instagram question, he said he had one in green, which looks awesome. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I think maybe yeah, back then like surf green. green wasn't as cool as it is now. Like you can no. give me anything in surf green now. I'd love it. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's Fender Performer. Rob, number four. What's what's your next one? All right, this one's a weird one. This is the Fender Katana. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. And isn't a katana a sword? Yeah. Yeah. This would not be a very um, good sword. <laughs> I'm just saying, like a Steinberger would be a better sword. <laughs> but yeah, this is more like an axe. Yeah. Um, yeah. The copy that I downloaded says possibly the oddest guitar to come from Fender. Oh, yeah. 
It was manufactured in 1985. It was one of the years that Fender had no domestic production. So no American guitars made in 1985, according to this website. Okay, yep. Somebody uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, And this was designed by marketing director of the era, Dan Smith. So another Dan Dan Smith. Dan Smith. He was doing cool stuff. I mean, yeah, he got... He got rid of the ashtray input jack and it was just on top, you know, straight into the pick guard. Yeah. Which they they ended up all breaking. Yeah. You know, like maybe that any... wasn't one of his cool stuff things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was and a he big just dealer. got rid of one volume, right? Or one yeah, one tone. Yeah, those those um yeah, those early eighties struts were weird. But um but yeah, he did a lot of cool stuff. I think he was in that transition eventually um getting out of getting out of uh, the CBS era. But anyway, anyway, tell us about the Katana. What, what does it actually look like for the for the folks at home? Well, yeah, it kind of looks like an axe, but it's, um, it's like if – it looks like the back of a Chevy, you know, like yeah. where the tail oh, lights yeah, are in. Yeah, above the they, lights, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's cool. They, yeah. Just took, cool they just took that. And we have talked about that before with um, some of those oddball Gibsons that we looked at. Yeah. Um, the input jack's in a really interesting place. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can see a photo of it at home. Oh, it's right like down the bottom. Right at the bottom. Yeah, be, that's a very interesting place. That that would definitely get knocked clean off uh-huh. if it's not a right angle. <laughs> um, but, yeah, two humbuckers, a top-mounted yeah. uh, tremolo, like Floyd Rosie type system. Mm-hmm. Um strange like little mini shark tooth uh, fretboard markers at the top, like at the low end, so near yeah. the low E. Um, but, yeah, it was the 80s, the era of hair bands and shredders. Jackson, Dean and Kramer guitars were selling modified Super Strats and Super Vs such as the Jackson Randy Rhodes model. So yeah. Um, yeah. this is very similar that. to that yeah. kind of um, – Fender dealers were looking for Fender to come up with something comparable to these popular sellers. And uh, the Katana was born. It's a triangular-shaped body with another 24.75 glued-in maple neck. Fretboard was bound and made of rosewood featuring 22 frets. Mm. Well, if if you take a Randy Rhodes, actually, if you think of the Randy Rhodes and you think of the two parts of the V... yeah. And you do that what Eddie Van Halen did to the destroyer and cut like a bit off. <laughs> yeah. It looks like there's like the one, the bottom bit of the V is missing. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's, but yeah. again, it's very Gibson esque with the truss rod cover. Yeah. Um painted headstocks. Yeah. Um so twin humbuckers, one volume, one tone, both of which were speed knobs. Oh, good. Speed Ooh. knob. You needed speed knobs back for speed, then. For extra speed. Like, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Quick turn um, Yeah, it was. <laughs> so three-way switch controlled the pickup, so, so a Gibson-esque thing. Mm-hmm. Tone was similar to the one on the Performer and featured twin capacitors, 20, 250K and a 50K with a center dent. So, yeah, you had two different, um, I guess, concentric pots. Oh, okay. Up. Was this like um, the TBX control? I think the yeah it might have been early on. Yeah. thing for that. Yeah, I think the performer might have had that too. I think I, I think I think I skipped that bit. I think the katana. It's not from a dissimilar universe to the performer, is it? No, 
And you'll no. be shocked to know that it only lasted one year. Okay. No. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a Squire version as well. There, there was, was a Squire, Squire version. version. That's yeah. a cool thing. Um, it were, It differed not all that greatly, apparently. Okay. It um, looks like it only had one 21 pickup. frets. Okay. And it only had one humbucker, I think, by the looks of it. Yeah, because you don't need any, like, no, quite I a mean, shredder. Neck, pick neck pickup. What do you need that for? Yeah. Exactly. Rock and roll. And man. it looks like the, um, again, with the Floyd Rose system, the locking nut is on the other side of the standard nut. Yeah. It's on the headstock, which I had a squire, um, a Japanese squire that had a Kayla on it. Uh-huh. Hum sing sing red with a black headstock. It didn't have the matching headstock. It had oh, wow. the black headstock, oh. and it had that Kayla system with the lock nut on the other side, and it's just a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> terrible tremolo. I think we just blocked it off. So yeah. But yeah, the katana. What do you guys think of that one? <laughs> well, uh, interesting. I mean, definitely interesting. It screams nineteen eighty-five. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So Schenker-esque. Schenker esque. would have loved one of those. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those guitars you just need to you just need to have it like almost down by your knees, that low, and you kind of so you just you just kind of can reach the low the low E and the low A. Yeah. And it has the same headstock too as the yeah like yeah that's the form the we were yeah. talking about yeah. yeah yeah I mean definitely an oddball definitely an oddball oh yeah but again Fender Japan uh, are the sort of carrying the can and I don't know it it, it looks Japanese to me as well I can see like it working in the Japanese market kinda yeah. yeah yeah so I mean good on them for for doing stuff. Trying something different. Yeah. Strange angled contours too. I don't know if you guys can see. Yeah, yeah on is, the bottom it's sort of, yeah. Yeah, it's weird yeah. contours. Like why do you need a like a contour? Com- let's call that a discomfort cut. Yeah. <laughs> it's like why do you need it's it? to make it more aerodynamic. Right? Uh, You're not right. sitting because down because with there's the guitar. There's a lot of fans. There's a well, lot when of you fans do spl- blowing. Yeah. When you do splits days. and stuff while you're playing, you yeah. need it to be more aerodynamic. Uh, you could put the gaffer tape and the picks on there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's yeah, yeah, perfect. It'd be a good angle for those. Yeah. That's the, the pink, the use. pink fluorescent picks. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Brilliant, man. The Fender Flying V, ish. On A Flying A. The the, <laughs> the, the Flying A. <laughs> Definitely has that look. Excellent guitar, Rob. Love it. Um, again, crazy money if you can find one. Even the Squire, crazy money. On yeah. on Revo. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Gabor. What you got? Okay, so my, my my second one is possibly the rarest of all Fender guitars. You did this with Gibson it, as well. I like this. Yeah, well, you know, that's the kind of stuff I do. Um, <laughs> so originally, my idea was to I was going to pick three with the with the Gibsons. It was three just crazy guitars. Yeah. With the Fenders, it was three guitars that I actually really like. Yeah. But then you stole one of mine, Rob. Uh, not Rob, Matt. Did I? The other Matt. The other Matt. <laughs> the other Matt. It's that again. Yeah, you've done one. it. <laughs> oh, why am I doing it? Matt stole one of mine. You're like so, the old uh, uncle that just can't remember anyone's yeah. name. So you just, you just, just go through the whole list. Watch that, young man. Watch that. <laughs> um, so I wanted to pick three ones that I really like that are really cool. So I picked two and a half that I really like. Uh-huh. So this one's probably one of the rarest in that it never actually went out of prototype stage. It's the Marauder. Mm. Um, so there is 
believed to only be between six and ten ever made. Wow. Until we come to more recent days and Fender Custom Shop started making a few for people. Yeah. Um, basically, and it's, a, it's an interesting story again. So they made two variants, a Type 1 and a Type 2. Now, the idea didn't come from Fender. Uh, there was a, an American Western swing guitarist uh-huh. uh, by the name of Porky Freeman, uh, part, uh, who was running the Porky Freeman Trio. <laughs> who was uh, a name, uh, very by the way. yeah Porky Freeman uh his I don't know his real first name is kind of diff- like a weird first name I didn't write it down but Porky Freeman um and he was quite an inventive fella and he was tinkering with guitars all the time and he was mucking around with um uh he didn't like having pickups sticking out of the pickguard he wanted more access, more freer playability. So he started developing these stealth pickups. So he did it himself. And he took uh, uh, a 1963 Fender Jaguar Mm -hmm. and changed it and did his own stuff with it and put four stealth pickups underneath the pickguard. Perfect. So he kind of routed bits out and put. he did that himself. And then he went to Leo Fender and he said, look at this, this is kind of cool. And so Leo started prototyping a few ideas. Ah, so that was the Type 1 variant. They did a couple of prototypes um, with different vibratos. So one had a Strat vibrato on it. One had a Hardtail on it. One had a um, Jazzmaster Jaguar-style um, vibrato on it. Um, but so, the Type 1 variant had four pickups, super high output pickups that had 12 to 16 poles. So not just six poles, 12 to 16 poles Dude. per pickup. Dude, 16 um, poles. 16 poles, yeah. <laughs> and each pickup had three-way uh, had uh, three way switches. So there were four three-way switches on it, um, uh, which gave you a total of 48 tonal characteristics. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, Jimmy Page, eat oh, heart yeah. out. <laughs> With different in and, in and out of face pickup con- combinations and all that sort of stuff. And he wanted it oh, uh, with the pickup sitting underneath the pickguard for easy playability. Yeah. Um, well, some people now that sorry, some people drop the middle pickup of the strat a little lower. <laughs> he wants it. He, he wants, wants them all gone. Hey, Gabor, have you mentioned the name of this guitar yet? The Marauder. The Marauder. Yes. Okay. Cool. Fender Marauder. Yep. Yeah. Uh, type one. They, they made a Type one and a Type two. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, but they did some prototyping, and it got very expensive. The pickups were quite expensive to build, and. Um, this was just around the time when CBS bought Fender as well. So it was just before, maybe just before and just after. Um, uh, so th- they had to drop the price. You know, it was too expensive. So they went for the Type 2. Now, the Type 2 had three exposed pickups. Uh-huh. Um, but um, uh, it had seven switches and four knobs. <laughs> <laughs> the one I'm, that's the one I'm looking at. And yeah, they were the ones that's kind of like um, plasticky. Um, like on off type, like a like a light yeah. switch kind of switches, um, uh, and a kill switch. So it had all these switches and a kill switch on it. Um, and the idea was sort of combining a Strat Jaguar kind of thing with increased versatility. But it was just around the time, basically, when CBS bought um, Fender, and wow. one of the first things CBS did is scrap 
this whole thing because it was too expensive and it was sort of looking like it was going nowhere. Now, the main thing I really like about this guitar, and if anyone looks at these pictures, um, just type in Fender Marauder and check out some of the pictures. They are such cool-looking guitars. Yeah. Um, they got like a Starcaster headstock, hey. Starcaster. Yeah. Well, some yeah. had a normal Fender-style headstock. Some yeah. had the Starcaster-style headstock. With a two-tone uh, all the this- Starcaster-style. That looks awesome. Yeah. It's like painted down on that bottom bottom rim. Yeah, very yeah, firebird-ish. Yeah. Mm. Um, but especially the Type 2, uh, to me, uh, where they took um, – so some had also a, a, a Mustang-style bridge. So they tried – I think every bridge they got um, – they had Fender at the time to try it on it. Okay. But um, with the, also with the Jazzmaster bridge, and it's something that a lot of brands um, nowadays um, – uh, what was what it called? Uh, there's a – It'll come to me. There's a brand that makes guitars that kind of look like the Marauder nowadays, and it's this thing where you take the um, that sort of the shape, the the, the plate that the uh, Jazzmaster vibrato sits on, and you take it off and you put a different plate on it, so it kind of fits as part of the pickguard. And they look killer. I think they look really, really cool. And all the chrome, you've got the rhythm circuit up the top, you've got down the mm-hmm. bottom, you've got all these switches. I love the way they look. Yeah. And there's also a really interesting story, and there's a couple of videos on it on YouTube. Um, so there's one of the guys who – there's a guy – I forgot his name, but um, – uh, Carlos Lopez. Okay. I think he may be the guy. He uh, is a guy – he started working at Fender, and he sort of was working his ways up in the ranks of Fender in America. And at Fender, at the factory, when you walk in the factory, they have a large – like a corridor with glass cabinets on either side – where they have a whole bunch of you know prototypes and old special guitars. And one of the guitars that's sitting there is one of the original old Marauders. And he always loved the look of it, walked past it and loved the look of it. And he said, if I ever become a master builder, the wow. first thing I want to do is build a Marauder. So he became a master builder after many years of working at the factory. And the first thing he did was build a Marauder. And he's since built, I don't know, three or four sort of custom shop for NAM and for special orders for for some musicians. There's one he built that has a delay unit um, built in and the controls that would usually be for the rhythm circuit up the top on the Jazzmaster and Jaguar, the knobs control the, the delay. It's really cool. Watch the video. Wow. It's on the Fender YouTube channel. Okay. Um, but he sort of started remaking them and I just love the way they look. They're just such beautiful looking guitars. The Type 1 is a bit weird without the pickups. It reminds me of the, the Line 6 Variac guitars. Yeah, it does. Um, but um, the Type 2, just such good looking ornamental guitars. Yeah. Kind of looks like, reminds me of that Italian company Echo. Oh, yeah. Echo as yeah. well. They're like oh, very similar company? with those. Yeah, yeah. Um, What's a company? Big American. They're getting bigger and bigger in American uh, like boutique Callahan? company. No. Um, is it the Red Shul guitar company? No, not Novo. Um, okay. Oh, and now Klein plays a bunch of them. Um, and oh, um, um, oh, um, JHS guy has a white one that he plays in a lot of uh, videos with. Oh four, yeah, four pickups on it. Yeah. Um, what are they called? Does it start with M? Uh, no. Sounds uh, like first syllable. Uh, 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 people are yelling at us at home. Yeah, they my know brain is is yelling it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, Come uh, on, you douchebags! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just can't think of the name right now.
but they built and if you look at it it's it's just that ornamental um the trem plate that sort of goes into the yeah. pit guard yeah, and nice. it's, i yeah. love the way that looks nice now gabor um as i alluded to up the front you 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 chose the gibson modern which yeah. is rumored maybe there was a prototype maybe not even um this yeah. there was definitely a few made and there was advertising but what happened to production so production uh, never happened because that's just when CBS bought Fender. Okay. And the cost was too expensive. The, the, CBS wanted to cut costs, which is where we're getting to the next guitar I'm going to look at yeah. as well. And one of the guitars you're looking at as well. Yeah. CBS just wanted to cut costs of everything. Yeah. So four pickups and, and 700 uh, switches, a bit expensive. So, the, so, so from what I could gather from reading about it with the Marauder, um, uh, literally, it's unknown, but all up probably six, between six to ten were ever made, pro- prototypes okay. of the Type 1 and the Type 2. Um, there's maybe one or two in the Fender, at the Fender um, uh, factory. Okay. Uh, and then a few are privately owned and every once in a while pop up on, on Reverb for ridiculous money. Uh, I think Norm's had one or two. Norm's Ray guitars okay. that they've sold on since. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they were advertised as sort of coming. You know, this is the, the thing coming, and they were in the prototyping stages. But it was just a CBS board okay. um, Fender, and I, I think CBS just went, nah, this is too expensive, yeah. too many switches, too much stuff to do. Because, um, I mean, they pretty much got rid of a whole bunch of other guitars as well and other yeah. things. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sadly, it never went into production. But mm-hmm. you can if you can fork out the cash. You can get one custom-made custom by shop. Master Builder. And they made a modern yeah. player version, which wasn't really the same. But No, the modern player. So uh, one of the things with the Marauder, uh, it was basically the shape of a Jazzmaster and a Jaguar, similar sort of. I mean, they are slightly different as well, Jazzmaster and Jaguar. But with the Marauder, the top horn was a little bit more curved. Okay. It was a slightly different look. And they made the, um, is it modern player or something, player series or whatever it was, Marauder. But it's a completely different guitar. It's got like a um, triple humbucker or something weird. It has, yeah, like a triple coil humbucker yeah. on it. Um, and if, and but it was, yeah, it it was not quite the same. I think the shape they took the same aesthetics of the shape, but on board was nothing like it. Like mm. it. Cool guitar. It is a very cool guitar. The guitar that never and was. I'm still kicking myself that I don't know what that brand of that guitar brand is, but um, That's but I'll find out. We'll find out. We'll find out. We'll find out. Hey, we're going to take a break, but before we do, I just want to uh, give a shout out to uh, the Instagram folks who have uh, who sent in some ideas for their favourite oddball fenders. Let's jump in here. Okay. Rowan Mansley, who is a champion bloke. I know Rowan. Uh, he's written, perhaps not all that oddball, but I'd like a 1983 Strat Elite with its weird pickups and button pickup selectors yeah. due to tighter bore of King's X. It had an active boost in the preamp, which was a precursor to the Clapton Strat. They were great guitars. I've yeah. played a few of them. Oh, yeah? And they were really, really cool. They were great. I'm, I'm kicking myself, and I never bought one that came through the music shop secondhand. Wow. Because they were still going at relatively normal prices. There was a telly they were one gra- as well, wasn't there? Yeah, well, the telly one, that's the one I, I played. The, oh, um, nice. Uh, I think two or three of them came through. They were all white, the sort of creamy white yeah, yeah. with the white pickups. Yeah. They were they were actually really good guitars, and I should have bought them, but I didn't. Pseudo uh, Echo, Brian Cannon played a, an Elite on the Funky Town film clip. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. But by then he ripped out the, the weird switching. He just put a five-way in. Oh, and, fool. And the only other guy I know who owns one, owned one, uh, David Holmes, uh, had a walnut one, Sydney guitarist, did the same thing, put, put a five-way in and... 
change the pickups and things. But interesting. My, my, um, my friend Tim, uh, Tim, who used to run, who used to own a music shop up here at Noosa Music at Noosa, he bought one of the ones. So he, I think he still has it. So okay. if you ever, guys ever come up to Noosa, I can probably arrange you guys for you guys to play one. That would be awesome. Uh, Ricky Wood writes, I had a green one in the 90s. It was awesome. He's talking about the performer. Mentioned that one. Uh, <laughs> Chad Wynn. Chad Wynn's awesome. I don't know if you guys heard the... Yeah, it was a great episode, that one. Yeah. yeah. So, Chad, um, if you haven't heard it at home, folks, uh, Chad was in our Behind Gibson. He worked at Gibson Nashville for a number of years. And after the Gibson Oddball episode, I got Chad in. We are talking about the Firebird X. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's what Chad writes. I just don't understand Leo's commitment to poor output jacks. The Strat dish? <laughs> what? And don't even get me started on the telly output cup. <laughs> yeah, we've all had a telly that was uh, modded somehow, like a little <laughs> screws drilled through it into the body because yeah. it never stayed in there. Yeah. And it's built guitars. Oh, built guitars. Oh, that's B-I-L-T. The, that's the, uh, the JHS guitar thing, yes. That's a JHS guitar, and that's the guys that make those sort of Marauder-esque looking guitars. They do They do look cool. Um, I, I take I take slight issue with Chad's comment, though. I love the, the Strat football plate jack thing. I think it looks awesome. I mean, it's a pain in the bum if, if the jack gets loose because you've got to pull the thing out and then stick your fingers in and then twist it and then screw it back on and... You're halfway through a song. And Gabor is showing us a built guitar on on the the screen. Yeah, that on the, awesome. yeah, special glasses. So that's got that sort of Marauder style kind of look to it with the 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 trem plate sort of going into the pickup. Yeah, yeah. Which I really like. I love the way that looks. Okay, Gabor's Christmas gift list. One built guitar, please. One built guitar, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like Revolta's got that kind of Yeah. Revolta's a bit too. Oh, here's yeah. this is one. That's totally that's that one is uh, – there's another one. Yeah, I'm just looking at Instagram. So if you go to Built on Instagram, I don't know if you can sort of see You two can look at the pictures that we're looking at. Yeah. Right. You two can look at the pictures. So this is just one of the Built Guitars things that looks kind of like like the, the right. Marauder. I'm going to keep reading stuff, Gabor. You just keep scrolling, man. It's all good. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. No, no, it's all good. It's all fun. Uh, Mr. Glynn Pickups again. Uh, you'll like this, Gabor. The Stratocaster I find an oddball. It was just oh, a yeah. fun transitional guitar between the Telecaster and the Jazzmaster, right? I think I commented. I, I, I replied to that and I said, yeah, yes, yeah, he knows he wrote, what he's talking about. Finally, someone who knows what he's talking about. <clears throat> yeah, I like that. I might call the Strat a transitional model now. And, and yeah. You guys yeah. know how much I like Strats. Rowan Mansley <laughs> um, also wrote, I dig a Fender Bass 6 after watching John Lennon on Get Back. That, uh, yeah. That's, that was a good advertisement for the, the Bass 6. And then Rowan, we, Rowan and I are old mates. He, um, he sent me a bunch of pictures of um, uh, Fender solid body mandolins. Have you ever seen those from the 60s? They're like, you know, mandolins, but solid body yeah. in cool. Solid body, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In the custom colours, matching headstocks. They look, they look awesome. So, yeah, there's some cool oddball Fenders and just some fun comments about Fenders in general. Thank you guys for those comments. That's awesome. We're going to take a break and we'll be back with a few more Fender oddballs. This episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. 
I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cup. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. All right, we're back talking Fender oddballs, and there is some odd stuff we've been talking about. It's been so oh, yeah. much fun already. Hey, before we get back to it, um, some listener feedback from some previous iconic episodes. Um, Jay Prino was checking out the Beatles episode and uh, got in touch. Jay's an amazing Sydney guitarist, um, was on episode 20, I think, of the podcast, uh, uh, pr- uh, clinician for Boss, great solo artist. Anyway, um, uh, Beatles covers, he actually uh, let me know, Yesterday is the most covered Beatles song in the cosmos. In fact, it's the most covered song of all time. I think I, I had heard that something was the most covered Beatles tune, but that's actually not true. That's actually quite far down the list. It's maybe the okay. eighth most covered. So um, thanks, Jay. Thanks for that info. He also sent me a link of McCartney playing something on a ukulele. Apparently, according to Jay McCartney's favourite Beatles song is something. So uh, he, li- he likes to pull that out on shows, which is quite sweet cool. uh, given that yeah. it's, uh, it was one of George's songs. Yeah. So that was cool. Thanks, Jay. And uh, we've got a, a follow-up to our signature gear episode. Uh, Grant Rennie, who who asked uh, the question about our musical memories, our earliest musical memories. Uh, you might remember that question. Uh, mm-hmm. He's written, hey, guys, thanks for answering my question in your latest podcast. It was a great insight to the beginning of your musical journey. One more question. Do you think with the new Vi signature, the PR, with the petal grip, has it achieved its goal to be a more modern take on the gem and the monkey grip? Any thoughts, fellas? Um, sure. <laughs> I, I, look, I think he needed to reinvent it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it were, it's, it's kind of more, let's say, gender neutral, which is kind of cool with this day and age. You know, I guess the monkey grip is like seems very masculine in some way. So um, I think, yeah, I I dig it. It's a nice little change. Um, whether he needed anything at all, I don't know. Yeah. You know, he could have just made it a complete solid body. He didn't need to, but it allows his th- theatrics to continue. And, um, yeah, I, I, I like it. It's a good little... Good little change. It's got. I'm a big fan of Paisley, and it has like that little Paisley vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the same shape. Uh, but yeah, I think it. I think it's achieved an evolution of maybe where guitars at these days, and so many female Ibanez endorsees at the moment and players. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, in answer to his question, yes, yeah. I think it has. Cool. Good ball. Yeah, I think the same. Um, I just think um, I just I, I like. I, in all honesty, I think I like the way it looks better than the old one. Uh, I think it's it's just has a it's just a modernized version. Like 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 Rob was saying, um, it's sort of that sort of more gender neutral kind of thing, you know, where it's it's uh, it's a guitar that anyone can play, anyone should try out because they're great guitars. 
Sure. Um, I love the colors too. Very nice colors they, they brought out. I think, I mean, with anything, if you had, because, I mean, was it 25 years or more that he had the signatures series now? Yeah. I think after that um, long of a time. Over it's pretty 30, long, isn't it? It's like yeah, I think well, it was, 30 years? Yeah, yeah. I think it was late okay. 90s, 80s, yeah. Um, thirty. You know, you need to kind of reinvent things a little bit, yeah. and you need to try from a marketing point of view as well. Sure. And I think bringing it sort of more into current age, um, I think it was a, I think it was a good move. Yeah. And it, I think it's quite a popular guitar. I think um, it's definitely a more elegant kind of thing. Yeah. The the yeah. the twin, the petals, and the monkey. Yeah. yeah I think it looks it looks yeah. cool. Pia is actually Steve Vai's wife's Wife. name. Yeah. So named after her, and I think that the pickups are a bit different. There's a, there's a few different things with that guitar. I think um, he did a few different things to it, mind you. He's the kind of guy who, you know, he'll do different things to the pickups for the for the model. But by the time the model comes out, he plays completely different pickups anyway, and puts yeah. different pickups and everything. So, um, but yeah, I think he did a uh, some new evolution. Is it evolution? Is that what he calls his pickups or something like that? Yeah, I think so. He's uh, custom Damasios that go in. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's there's had a new... so many, like from yeah. you know the evolutions to the breeds to yeah, whatever the new ones are. You know, the first gems like... had PAF Pros. Yeah. Oh, right. really? Yeah. Well, there you go. We yeah. were just talking about that, and I like sort of the more ornamental look of the pickups now as well. How they sort of become part of the guitar. Yeah. Because I guess you know that's becoming a thing now as well. With I think brands like bare knuckle pickups and stuff really started doing that where they. It's not just a pickup, but the pickup itself becomes part of the look of the guitar because they make it ornamental. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they kind of got that gold foil look. Yeah, but it's sort of part – it looks it almost look like from memory. It's like the tree, that, that tree of life, that vine thing mm. um, that comes from the neck. It sort of almost continues on to the pickups um, nice. to me, sort of from memory. So I think – yeah, I think it was a good move and I think the, the monkey pedal grip looks good. Yeah. Cool. Good question. Thanks, Grant. And um, yeah, yeah uh, we'd love to hear feedback on past episodes <coughs> as well as answering some of those Insta questions we've been posting. So thanks to everyone who's been joining in on that. All right. We've got, I think we've got four more Fender oddballs. It's, it's, it's over to me. I'm choosing the Fender Maverick. Um, apparently, it was also called the Fender Custom. It's produced between uh-huh. 1969 and 1972. And it's got a really interesting story, as Gabor was was saying before, with the uh, the Marauder and CBS wanting to to cut down on costs. The the Maverick is a crazy guitar. It, it was really made up of <laughs> leftover parts uh, from Fender Electric Twelves, which were the uh, Electric Twelve string, uh, and some Mustang hardware. Um, slapped together, hacked about so it looked like something new and uh, and sold off. So if we look at a Fender Electric 12, it's got like sort of like a Jazzmaster-shaped body. Obviously, 12 strings, got the really large hockey stick head with six each side and uh, these really interesting split pickups. If you think of uh, the pickups in a Fender Precision, but like that, it's got two pairs of those pickups. Or like G&L. Yeah. Like G&L yeah. got into, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Leo, yeah. you obviously enjoyed that idea and, and kept it going. What were they called? Well, hum cancelling. Hum cancelling. Yeah, yeah. Were the G&Ls, were they called Z pickups or something? Or 
It was some kind of weird thing. They were like one piece yeah. in the GNLs, hey? But they were yeah, they were like sort of like a like a Z almost. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway. Um, so that's the Fender Electric Twelve for the Maverick. Getting rid of the parts. Well, they wanted to make it into a six string. So first up, they only needed three tuners per side, but they've still got the same gigantic headstock. So. Yeah. <laughs> the tunes look crazy. That's, is it called like a smur- the Smurf hat or something like that? I've, it I've totally that looks like a Smurf hat. hat. You just yeah. lick a blue paint, you're there. Block inlays look cool. It's still got the split pickups with a sort of like a blade selector on the uh, on the lower bout, um, oh, yeah. almost like a jazz bass plate with volume tone and a, a plate mounted. Jack, but the big deal is they've cut, they've hacked bits of the the body out. So the the top horn has been squared off a bit, and then I guess the bottom of the guitar, there've been some cutaways on each side of the um, strap pin. I guess is the best way to to try and describe it. So it's kind of got some weird angles. It reminds me of a um, uh, Jerry Garcia tiger guitar oh, yeah, yeah. some of his those weird <laughs> yeah. customs he was getting built for him back in the, the grateful dead days uh there's a, a mustang bridge on this thing uh with the, yeah. with the six obviously the 12 string bridge wasn't going to work and yeah they've slapped these things hacked them up whacked them together and they've, <laughs> hello we've got a new guitar and we've gotten rid of some old stuff that we obviously don't want to make anymore yeah I can't yeah. get over the string break angle after the string retainer, um, <laughs> which is similar to like those Moderns we looked at with the Gibson oddballs where it just goes, boo, off, you know, <laughs> splits. So the whole idea of Fender's straight string pull is out the window. Oh, totally, yeah. And I guess I get – because I'm trying to fit 12 tuners on there originally. Apparently, yeah. if you look really closely on these, you can see where they've plugged the holes and painted it. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so CBS where it just stands for can't be stuffed. <laughs> I think that's what it. I mean, on this guitar, though, they've gone to a lot of effort to not go to a lot of effort. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's weird. That's it. I reckon it looks kind of cool in a... It is funky. I think it looks excellent. I love these, and I love the fact that they reissued them with the the Maverick Dorado. I think they're called <coughs> nowadays. Well, I think for Rob's next guitar, we're gonna we're gonna see how Fender's embraced and even expanded all this kookiness, which I think is really cool. But <laughs> yeah, the Maverick. Um, yeah, there's been like you said, Gabor, um, a reissue of sorts. Uh, any any reaction to this instrument? Rob, looking at it. Um, I, look, the strap button is doing my head in where they put it <laughs> right on. The point like, is, what could go wrong there? At, uh, honestly, at the base where they cut it out. Yeah, yeah, they've got like a I don't even know what you would call like an apex. Yes, where it's been cut, and they put the strap button right in the middle of the apex. And I'm thinking that's not going to go well. <laughs> um, I'd be interested in the neck dive as well, maybe on this. Oh yeah, you know they're probably jealous of Gibson's neck dive and went, <laughs> "How can we? How can we compete?" Looks so cool when that neck is down on the ground and the, yeah. the guitarist is grabbing the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> totally, but yeah, totally. But I do like that Gumby headstock. It's, There's just oh, something. Because it, it, there was the, the John Five Telecaster signature Telecaster. Yeah. He had that on there as yeah. well. Yeah, he had a really yeah. big one. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, and is it like a like a veritone switch to for the pickups? Is that sort of what they've done? Does it? Or no, what's I, think I can't just, really see. I think it's just a three-way selector. Oh, okay. But, but it's just that kind of rotary kind of three-way yeah, selector. Yeah, like super the, funky. Yeah. So that's very Gibson-like too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's trippy. And even like the Mustang bridge, it doesn't quite fit the original scratch plate. So you can see a massive gap between the bridge and the plate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it just screams parts <laughs> caster. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> It's like Leo had left some drawings around somewhere, you know, yeah. before he left and went to Music Man mm. and um, they've just gone, oh, let's do this because you can kind of see it's like saberish, like you could see how maybe the Music Man saber oh, okay. yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of because yeah. they had the odd pickups for a little while in the saber. Um, in those early Music Mans, there was a few oddities. Yeah, you can kind of see that with the with the control plate as well. I think Music Man, when he did the yeah, early Music Man's had yep. a control plate like yep. that as well. So you can definitely see all the the evolution. Yeah, yeah. Maybe definitely. there's a little bit of Leo in there. Yeah, I mean they hacked some of it off, but there's still yeah. some <laughs> Leo left. Maybe, maybe it's maybe it's tribute to Leo that you can slap a whole bunch of different Fender parts together and still get a new guitar. Yeah, absolutely. Part of the yeah. part of the vibe. All right, there's the Fender Maverick. Um, yeah, cool guitar. It is odd, <laughs> but there it is. All right, who are we up to? I think Rob. Are we up to your next one? Yeah, number three. All right, number so three. We all kind of we went back, but I wanted to do some of the more modern uh, Fender oddballs because we've seen like the Parallel Universe. A whole bunch of those. The Troublemaker Telly, who does not love that yeah. guitar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it is just – and they're going for crazy money now. But just beautiful. If you like slab like Les Paul's, the Troublemaker is oh, – I don't know. It's just a work of art. It's beautiful. Um, but I've gone with the Parallel Universe 2 Uptown Stratocaster. Uh-huh. Now, it's a solid body um, – Six-string mahogany body with a gloss nitro lacquer, so very Mm -hmm. Gibson-like. Mahogany neck, um, 9.5-inch radius rosewood fingerboard. Now, perloid block inlays, 22 frets and a 24.75 scale length. Yeah, hello. Um, It's got custom double-tap humbuckers, two volumes, two tones, three-way switch. Up the top as well. Up the top bout. <laughs> top top bout switch. Yeah. And it's got like a like a I don't even know. Like it's a it's a Les Pauly style pick guard. Um and then it's got the the pickups look like the full range from the Tele Deluxe. Yeah, wide range humbuckers. Yep. Yeah, yeah, the wide range. And then obviously the Les Paul layout, the Gibson layout of the four, and then a two-point synchronized tremolo. Yeah. So it's kind of like if you took a Strat, a Les Paul, a, a thin line deluxe telly, yeah. threw it in the Hedron Collider, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what would come out. It is. It's like, it really is. You know, Um it's very interesting. There's been a whole bunch in this series that really look cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like um, the Parallel Universe series. Yeah. 
and they've just gone, oh, let's and the and before that, I think it was the pawn shop series, yeah, right? And they did a yeah, whole I lot love of those two. They went, oh, yeah. you know, let's let's design some guitars that people would have done themselves and then pawned somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think there's some really cool things. So they're odd, but they're like oddly interesting and beautiful. And yeah, yeah, I, I've come close to picking up a similar thing because. Later, like lately, I've just I've just discovered I'm not I just don't take defenders mm-hmm. all that well. But a Fender take on a Gibson could maybe be that middle ground that yeah. I could really enjoy. And this is one of those. The only thing for me that it's missing is the '70s oversized headstock. I think that could have set it off beautifully. It's all because you haven't tried a Jazzmaster yet. That's, that's, mm, that's, I don't think that's it at all. But. <laughs> No, 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 that, that's it. That's it. <laughs> oh. No, so, yeah, what, what do you guys think of this one? It's kind of got the Mary Kay finish too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm looking yeah. at a whitish like, one. Yeah, yeah, like a raw finish. Yeah. 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 I like it. I think it's a cool guitar. Um, um, it, it's, they also did the same – was it the same series? Did it do jazz strats? Where it's a strat shape but it had, had jazz master pickups and a jazz yeah. master trim on it. It reminds me of that similar sort of that sort of vibe, but like you know the other way around. But yeah, I like it. I think it's a cool looking guitar. Um, I'd 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 buy it. Yeah, it's um, it's rad. Like I I love the I love the attitude how they've they've really embraced uh, the oddball attitude that we we've been celebrating with these other guitars. It's like they've gone, yeah, there's some crazy stuff. Let's let's make something purposefully kooky. Um, put it in the blender and and get them out there. And the pawn shop series, like you're saying too, Rob, that, that was super cool too. I, I love those. Yeah, and that, there was a whole lot in that range. Like Gabor was um, mentioning, yeah, they did they did the Jazz Master with you know that type of um, vibrato like on it and the matching yeah. headstock colors yeah. and. Um, did, did- did it the three pickup, three humbuckers, Black Beauty style telly with the Bigsby as well? I'm just looking yep. at that now, which is really cool. And they did a Jazzmaster, which is kind of like a Firebird. It's got the three mini oh, humbucking yeah, yeah, yeah. Firebird pickups yeah. with that Vibrola on it. Yeah. And Telecasters with, I think it kind of started with the Cabernetas as well. You know, yeah. they did the, um, it's kind of like a Bigsby um, Gretsch take on a Telecaster. And then they did the White Guard um, Parallel Universe White Guard Stratocaster, which is like they just took a Telecaster, traditional Telecaster, and dropped it into the Strat body. Yes. So the, they got the yeah. neck, the Tele neck, and the Tele bridge with the little. It's just some like really interesting. Yeah, there but, are. Yeah, but cool takes on on the things that they did. And, well, and that same series did it the the Marauder with Marauder, uh, not yeah. Marauder that did the um, the Maverick. Sorry, that's what I mean. Okay. The Maverick. Yeah. With uh, Bixby on it and a two humbuckers, which looks really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun. Oh, yeah. It's a fun thing because people have been doing this stuff themselves for forever. So, yeah. you know, they've jumped in and thought, "What? How much fun can we have with this?" It'd be yeah. interesting to know what the sales numbers are compared to, yeah, you know, Strats, Tellys, Jazz Masters. Like if yeah. it's if it's worth their while, I, th- I guess it must be because they keep coming up. I with think these they must be doing pretty well because they go for pretty crazy prices on yeah. a second hand market. I know there were a couple of the um, the pawn shop ones that I really liked that we had at the music shop when I worked there, and 
uh, looking at them now, I, I'm, I was thinking, man, I should have bought them because they weren't that expensive at the time. Uh-huh. But now they go for crazy prices because people they were it was like a limited run. So I think with all of these, they are limited runs. So yeah, I think they they're all bound to go up in price. There's even one that's the Telecaster body with a Strat neck and all the Strat electronics and hardware. Okay. In a sunburst, and it looks so weird. Yeah. <laughs> that one's probably the weirdest looking one. Putting a strat guard on a telly body. Oh yeah, um, they also, but they're really interesting. Yeah, totally. I love the um, again. I guess speaking about the the attitude behind it, it's whereas with Gibson when they were coming out with all the robot stuff and the um, the Firebird X, they were saying no, this is the future. Like they were still going to, they were never going to stop making Les Pauls, but yeah. they were saying, yeah, no, this is this is really the big deal now. Or now, okay, robot tuners. This is. This is where it's at now. Whereas Fender <coughs> with this line, like they're not diminishing anything they've done. You're still going to buy a Strat Natelli. Um, yeah. They're saying here's this weird stuff over here as well. So I think I think yeah. they've they've sorted it out. To me, fe- that the whole Fender Gibson thing was always a little bit like the you know the the Microsoft Apple thing. Yeah, okay. And you know when Microsoft Who's was who? bringing out whatever. <laughs> You know, Microsoft was bringing out their, their their iPod, but you know, called it slightly something different. Yeah, yeah. And they were doing all the cool dance. Look, look at us, we're so cool. Yeah. You know, that was like the robot tuners. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, so many. So there's the '66 too, which is like a jazz bass. Yeah. With yeah. a with a Strat thing, and then yeah. there's the one that you would like, which is the Meteora, the Parallel Universe. Meteora, yeah, I like the Meteora, which is I an like offset. That. With um, kind of looks like, um, yeah, like a it's got the appointments of a Marcus Miller bass, but like yeah. more of a futuristic jazz master cha- uh, uh, shape. Yeah, yeah. Like- that makes I, I like a lot of that stuff. I think a lot of those guitars look great. Um, the '66, um, I hated the look at it of it, but I loved it that they made a guitar shaped like a jazz bass. Jo- yeah. 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 I thought, man, that's cool. That's cool. I'd never want to buy one. I mean, there's there's, there's probably several other of these crazy models I'd, I'd love first. But I love they thought, yeah, let's make a – let's do that. I wonder – that would have a reverse neck dive. That would like – because the jazz <laughs> bass body's so big. <laughs> I just put a strap neck on. Oh, classic. You, you're just facing the sky. It looks like you're just rocking out 24-7 on that guitar. Well, they missed the opportunity because they could have made that a baritone and it would be worth, you know, yeah, um, there could be quite a bit these there. days. Yeah. Nice. Awesome, Rob. That's a totally yeah. new take on the oddness from Fender. Love it. All right, Gabor, over to you, my friend. What's, what's your final Fender oddball? My final Fender oddball is uh, similar to the Maverick, mm-hmm. uh, is a guitar that um, – just after CBS bought Fender, uh, they just wanted to get rid of parts. Yeah. So they made the Swinger, Fender Swinger, uh, which is also known as the Music Lander or Fender Arrow. Ah, yep. Uh, very, very short-lived. Uh, was released by Fender in 1969 and uh, reissued actually recently by Fender Japan uh, for a limited run in 2019. And they're reissuing um, all these things. It's so funny. The Japanese, again, they know what's cool. <laughs> they rule. Uh, <laughs> so there, uh, there's estimates that there's only ever been 250 to 600 guitars ever made of that. Uh-huh. Um, 
So basically, they, they, I mean, if you look at a picture of the swinger, right? If you, if you type in, you know, fender swinger and you look at a, a, a you know, a picture of it, imagine, um, like a, like a Mustang or, um, the Fender Music Master, you know, that, that kind of Mustangy kind of shape. Uh-huh. And imagine, like, a shark comes and takes a big bite <laughs> out of the back. Yes. And, um, you, you know, f- square off the top horn a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then again, go to the headstock and just kind of go, you know what? I don't want that round bit at the end and just cut that off. <laughs> and that's what the Fender Swinger was. So basically, what they did is they took parts of um, the Duosonic, yeah. which is kind of similar sort of thing to the to the yeah. Mustang, um, the very much failed, which is another one we could have really done, Oddball, the Bass 5, which was uh, after the Bass 6 doing quite well, they did the Bass 5, but it was a tenor bass. So instead of putting a low B on it, they put a high C on it. Okay. Um, and no one wanted it. No. Um, and it was, uh, you know, again in that sort of um, Mustang kind of vibe. So they took take, took bits of the Duosonic, the Bass Five, and the Music Master, which are all sort of that Mustangy kind of vibe, and kind of shoved them all together and made the Swinger. Now the funny thing with the Swinger is, if you take uh, the, the um, scratch plate and the pickguards off a bunch of them, they will all have different routing underneath because depending on whether the body came from the uh, Duosonic, the Bass 5, or the Music Master, the routing will be different. Oh, okay. So yeah. um, they That's actually cool. left the routing uh, the way it was. Yeah. Um, uh, um, basically, yeah, like like Matt was saying before with uh, um, Maverick, it was just getting rid of unused stock that was just floating around, mm. um, get rid of excess parts that they didn't want to use, and it was marketed at as a as a – an even cheaper alternative to the Mustang, which was kind of their short scale student guitar, which is already yeah, which was already, already sort of the you know cheaper model. Um, yeah. But it was one of those guitars. Uh, from what I gathered from watching some videos, it was kind of designed just without any design. It was just some whoever the guy is who took it. He just took a guitar and just cut bits off and went, okay, this is what we're doing. <laughs> it was no thought, no design team behind it. It was just. Uh, let's just do this, get rid of parts. Uh, and because of that, it was never really promoted mm-hmm. and no one really bought it. There was no popularity, no one bought it. So they, they scrapped it basically very quickly um, after they first started making them. Wow. But it's a kind of interesting looking guitar. Yeah. Um, Who would believe that a swinger in 1969 wasn't popular? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they got the name right. Um, the name was... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Ready to go. Oh, right. This is the guy, uh, Vir- Virgilio Babe Simoni. He was the guy um, uh, who came up with the design. And uh, this is an article here. And um, the Fender's research and development department were not involved. <laughs> <laughs> and when it, was so, a, yeah. when it was a failure, they got to the Maverick. They said, all right, we'll do the same thing, but we'll cut the body up a little bit differently. But he as well. If you look at the sw- at the swinger, yeah. the 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 um, strap pin is, is right at a pointy bit again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How's that? Not balance? at a really pointy bit down the bottom, but at a yeah. That's going to be weird as well. 
But you can kind of see, so if you understand the late 60s and early 70s, the art movement, the kind of lava lamps and oh, yeah. weird, yeah, yeah. you know, artwork <clears throat> and oils, you know, oils in water, all that type of stuff that was going on, tie-dye, how all that works. You can kind of see where the influence came from, you know. It's kind of come from the art yeah, world, you would yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of understand that, but yeah, it's a that that's a fail for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so the original version only ever had uh, one pickup in the neck. Yeah, to reissue they uh, reissued them with the neck pickup and optional both, so two pickups. Okay, so there were two versions that they reissued. That's to really capture the market of all the people who bought one and then modelled it with the extra pickup. With the extra pickup, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it's got that weird, like, budget telly bridge with the, you know, yeah, two aside saddles or the the, the reissue, um, yeah. yeah. Well, it's the same sort of bridge that they had on a Toronado, similar sort of thing, yeah, okay. a Toronado bridge. Because I, th- I think the original one just had the bridge off the um, the Music Master and the um, Geosonic. That sort of that bridge is, was on the original. Do you one. Yeah, the bon- Bronco bases as well, not the Bronco origin- bases. Yeah, all that sort that's of stuff. Like yeah. That, yeah, yeah. And they're kind of they're kind of cool. I mean, they got a vibe. It has a it has a vibe to it. Yeah, um, just yeah, it's just a bit weird that sort of cut. It's in a funny place. Like with the with the Maverick, it's in a more aesthetically pleasing place mm. for me. That that shark bite. Uh, in this, it's just in a kind of an odd place. <laughs> it is kooky. And some well, of the ones I'm looking at, they just had the one neck pickup. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. the old yeah. ones had the one the neck old pickup. Ones, yeah. But the uh, reissues, they did uh, one with the just neck pickup, but they also did the two pickup version of it. Um, nice. Yeah, there you that's go. a fender swinger. It's a fender swinger, swing. Yeah, baby. Swing and a miss. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got one to go. Let's do it. I'm um, talking about the Fender Bullet. was released in 81. I'm going to refer to another book, and uh, this is Fender 75 Years by Dave Hunter. And by the time this episode goes to air, my conversation with Dave Hunter is probably already out there on the podcast somewhere. So I spoke to him about this book. He wrote it last year for Fender's 75th anniversary, and it's such a good book. It's, it's full of so many good things. Ooh. So there's a reference here to the some early 80s, late 70s Fender stuff, including the 70s. Starcaster. The Starcaster, Ooh, yeah. That's a cool – I love the Starcaster. The 25th anniversary with the, the writing on the body, Strat. The, usually in silver. Uh, oh, yeah. The 1980 Strat, S-T-R-A-T, on the headstock. That's all they called it. Yeah, yeah. They did a reissue of that just recently as well. Yeah, it's kind of like a funky yeah. one. I remember seeing one of those in a music shop in Parramatta in the sort of mid to late 80s. I used to look at it and think, man, it's just called Strat. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and now I know why. It's because it was weird. But, uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, anyway, the Fender Bullet, it's not to be confused with the Squire Bullet series, which you can buy now at your friendly local music shop for not much money. The The Bullet was uh, produced early 80s, 81, I believe, and it's like a, a real minimalist telly, and it was, it was designed to a price point. And I'm going to quote 
John Page, who was the designer, the well-known Fender designer, um, went on to be a big deal in the custom shop and does his own guitars now, right? Does his own stuff now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. here he says, and I quote, I remember my directive from marketing was design a guitar that could be manufactured for $65 in, oh, wow. in manufacturing cost, Paige said. And I think I came within a dollar of that, and it retailed for $199 at the time. It was a really cool first product for me to design, and it's funny that it's hip again. So he said that very recently. So... Um, yeah, telly-ish shape, smaller sort of telly. The big standout for me is that the bridge is kind of integrated into the pit guard. There's like some, yeah. some rolled metal uh, and then the saddles protrude from that. Obviously, that's part of the cost cutting. I mean, every single part of the guitar is part of the cost cutting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's a really kind of funky idea, I think. Um I don't know how stable that it doesn't look very stable. <laughs> mountain bridge is. Single ply. Like you know it's gonna warp. Yeah. In a, you know. Any kind of temperature change. Yeah, like man, it was it was in tune during summer, but now it's not yeah. in tune anymore. It's kind of got that Tesco yeah. like silver tone vibe, you yeah. know, like a Sears catalogue guitar. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um head. Um, and that's the weirdest thing, don't you think? Like they should have shrunk the headstock. Yeah, the head looks really weird. The headstock <laughs> kind of looks weird because that's – It looks a little bit weird. Mm. I, I, I kind of – I do like it aesthetically. <laughs> I do like something about it, I have to say. I don't know. I'm looking at one here now that's orange. Okay. Orange. Yeah, yeah. And orange with a black pickguard. And there's something about it. Yeah. i got to say, I don't know. I like it. It's got a vibe. <laughs> It's got a vibe. I, I remember- um, It definitely has a vibe, yeah. Early 90s, a guy at my work brought one to me. Uh, I was working in an office at the time because he knew I played guitar. He goes, man, what's this? What, what do you think it's worth? And I had no idea. I'd never seen one before. I'm like, I don't know what that is. I think I suggested him to take it to the local music shop. Do you think they um, shielded the body cavity and um, how's the 60 cycle hum on that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think shielding was in the. <laughs> no, probably not in, in the budget. The budget. I'm. I'm just stoked. Oh. It's got two knobs and and two jack pins. They, they squeeze that in for uh, for sixty five oh, bucks. Yeah, yeah that that jack is coming. Some people look. Out see, of that I don't know. Again, for people quick. with the special glasses. Some. Some people uh, uh, put um, Ooh, okay. different bridges on it. Yeah. Hey. And actually, it looks pretty cool. So this is like a – it looks like a fixed sort of Strat-style bridge, but fixed. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's um, that's the first thing you're fixing on that guitar. And it looks cool. It actually looks kind of cool. I put a left-handed neck on it so the headstock's upside down. and then That I'll could be, be cool too, yeah. 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 Nice. So I'm in. You're in? All I'm right. in. Well, there you go, the 1981 Fender Bullet. I wonder what prices they're doing. I should have checked that out. Oh, uh, I just looked then. They're not cheap. Yeah. Um, what are we looking they're at? They're going for on reverb. Hang on. Um, that was right up the top. Um, uh, I mean, not super expensive, but between sort of uh, in Australian dollars, sort of twelve to fifteen hundred dollars. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, nineteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Ooh, there's one for two thousand six hundred dollars. Wow. So, so tell, tell him he's dreaming. <laughs> 
<laughs> Some get pricey. Jousting sticks. Ooh, there's another prototype that is related to it that's going for $7,000. Wow. The pro original electric guitar bullet one Telecaster prototype, okay. one of a kind. Now, that looks cool. Oh, uh, yeah, I saw that one. Oh, okay. It's got, um, for the people at home, it's got two kind of separate scratch guards. Yeah, um, sort of kind of. It's like someone took the PR um, cutouts and put them in the middle of the guitar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very much like the True. PR. Now we True. know. Now we know the influence. <laughs> I like the look of that. I think that's kind of. That looks good, yeah. seven Only, it's 22% uh, reduced at the moment, discount. <laughs> only uh, 7291 Australian dollars. Yeah. See, I wouldn't pay that much for a standard bullet, but for that one, I would. Even though the bridge looks the same as the bridge on the other ones. <laughs> it's cool. Period correct. Is it up? What's the shipping? <laughs> That's the deal breaker. Uh, $450.79. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, we could keep going. Um, we just saw a picture of the Starcaster. We didn't even mention that. That's That'll get an honourable nah, mention. That was, that was in my... Like reserves. Yeah, yeah. I was going to pick it, but then I I wanted that's, to kind of take a new. Would have gone to the super cool oddball guitars. Yeah. That's for the next one we're doing, the super cool as oddball. As soon as I saw it, I thought, Gabor. Have, Rob, have you noticed with Gabor, anything marginally offset? <laughs> <laughs> if anyone yeah. follows Gabor's Insta, it's pretty much just pictures of things that look yeah. like jazz masters. I have a thing. I have a problem. It's a good thing. If you're going to have a thing, it's a good one. Hey, we're going to get out of here. Rob, what's happening with you? Where can people find out more Rob Rhodes gear? Oh, look, I spend most of my time in a kind of 70s concept band called Living in the 70s. But for that and everything else, you can uh, go to my website at roadtripent, which is R-H-O-D-E-T-R-I-P-E-N-T.com. Awesome. Thanks, man. And Gabor. Uh, well, if you want to find out more about my uh, offset uh, love, <laughs> uh, you can check us out on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube uh, under the Super Fun Awesome Happy Time Pedal Show, or one word, the Super Fun Awesome Happy Time Pedal Show. We review pedals, uh, guitars, amps, uh, software. Um, most of the time, with offsets present. So, um, <laughs> yes. I like them. Awesome. Uh, yeah, but that's me. Yeah, so uh, uh, YouTube channel. Very cool, very cool. Fellas, thanks so much. This was uh, this was a lot of fun talking uh, about these kooky guitars. And uh, thanks for thanks for joining in. In fact, we've been doing this these uh, iconic series shows, I think it's been over 12 months now. So thanks, guys. It's been so much fun adding this to the, uh, it has, the yeah. usual interview format that, that I'm doing as well. But these shows, I, I love these. I love the hang. So thanks so much. Pleasure. Oh, thanks, gents. Thank you. All right, let's wrap it up. In the words of Michael Schenker, he gives us the best advice of all going forward, and that advice is... Keep rocking. Keep on rocking. Keep on rocking, indeed. All right, see you next time. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>